event is not at Cafe XL. Cafe XL is catering it at the Brazos Center. Sorry about that, Sean. You had one job. <laughs> we try to include them whenever we can, but I mean, <laughs> you give them a little bit. I mean, maybe we just go, we're going to get. We're going to next time you get Sean, he's going to do one announcement. We're just. <laughs> it's at the Brazos Center at seven. <laughs> Uh, Cafe XL is, uh, is catering. I'm wearing a t-shirt, so it says shine on the back. That's because this morning we have a bunch of high school juniors and seniors who've been visiting this weekend for an event that our high school, uh, excuse me, our college freshmen, uh, that class puts on. They organize it, plan it, carry through with all the things that they've planned, and I think it's been a great weekend. I mean, it's just been great. Uh, a lot of fun and a lot of enjoyment. We have more seniors this year than we've had in the past. Uh, normally juniors outnumber the seniors, but we have about 36-ish seniors who will be going somewhere in the fall, hopefully here, A&M or Blinn. And um, we look forward to coming you back. SOAR is in August. We'll be getting you information about that. So you got Matthew 7 in front of you. <clears throat> Every time this part of the year comes around me and several, uh, a rather large grouping of people would get emails about baseball. They would uh, talk about people's or a person's or group's affection for or love for the game of baseball. So opening day this year was not too long ago, and every year, perhaps, I'm sure there are, in this population of our country, people who pray for their baseball team to the world, win the World Series. I'm sure there were Red Sox fans who prayed forever for them to win again when they did, finally, a few years back. Cubs fans, you can certainly imagine that they prayed until finally they won. Houston, Astros fans in here probably, they've, maybe some of them prayed for the Astros to win. You Ranger fans, keep on praying. And... Uh, Barry Jackson was a lover of baseball. So maybe you were on that email thread. He loved the Green Bay Packers. That was his favorite professional football team. He loved, well, he loved all A&M sports, clearly. But I think he adored, let's ramp that love up a little bit more, the St. Louis Cardinals. That love was born, <laughs> that love was born out of late nights, um, laying in his bed, probably have, had already been instructed by his mom or dad to go to sleep, listening to transistor radio play-by-play uh, -play broadcast of the games. In those prayers that people pray for the Major League Baseball, there's not a lot on the line. I mean, if you're a player, manager, maybe a family member of someone who's in the organization, uh, you might say that there's a lot on the line, but not really. But we all know that we have prayers when there's a good bit on the line. I mean, there are prayers about family or relationships or anger or anxiety, an enemy, Satan and how he's attacking us, financial woes, relationship struggles, children. There's so much more on the line with a lot that we pray. 
We're going to be looking at Matthew 7, 7 through 11. We're going to read it. You probably have it in front of you, but because we are so tech savvy, we have it on the screen. So we have the NIV here with you up in the front. We're going to read a second version in a second. We're starting right here. I'm going to read it. You can read along. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So, That's the NIV. We're going to read the New Living Translation. New Living Translation may be a little loosey-goosey on the word-for-word translation, but it gets the sentiment right that I want to stress this morning. Here we go. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents... If your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? I'm going to get through a couple things about this verse before we get to the heart of what I want to say. So I have one picture, one picture only that I'm going to show this morning. Here it is. And I've chosen this for a reason. I was, they asked you for, I was asked about a title for the sermon. I was going to name it Bloody Knuckles, but I thought that was maybe not good. So I went with a good father or the good father. But this is the image I want you to take with you. Bloody Knuckles. The sentiment that's expressed in the first part of our passage is you keep on asking until your horse or you have laryngitis, scratchy throat. You keep on seeking, asking, bad throat, seeking till your eyes are red and weary and weepy. And you keep on knocking until you have bloody knuckles. That's what the words mean there. Just keep on asking, keep on seeking, and you keep on knocking. Now, when we read this passage, some of the things that uh, come to in our minds sometimes, and you might read that passage and go, okay. <laughs> I'm not going to try to do the accent, but we have enough people in here who know a prince's bride. So when you read that, sometimes you may say to yourself, I don't think that means what you think it means or what you say it means. You look at that and go, ask, you'll get, seek, you will find, knock, and the door will be open to. And most of us may sit there and go, that's rather naive, isn't it? I mean, how many times have we asked, sought for things or answers, and knocked, and it doesn't seem like it's answered? Well, one of the difficulties with that is how we ask and what we think when we ask. Now, sometimes, perhaps not you, but sometimes we include in our prayers, and I imagine all of us have at some point, actually, something material. We're just going to call it stuff. I don't mean negative stuff, but I just let's use stuff. 
So I'm going to get this out front right off the bat. This is not what he's talking about necessarily. Stuff. We know from the Sermon on the Mount as a whole, earlier, it said, what about the birds? They don't need to worry about their stuff. What about flowers? No need to worry about their stuff. Because that's all taken care of. So, doubtful, we're talking about stuff, because it seems like Jesus' message was the de-emphasizing stuff. We know also that later on, when Jesus says, hey, if you're following me, do you, what do you do? Take up your cross? Deny yourself? Take up your cross? We know Jesus really wasn't a hoarder of stuff. We know his disciples didn't carry a lot of stuff with them, so most likely we're not talking here about stuff. The message here is maybe bigger than our request. Now, many of us um, know how much we treasure independence, right? I mean, the more you're dependent, that, we don't look at that very favorably. If you have a 41-year-old child that perhaps is still living at home, we go, okay, why don't we crash out, explore, get out on our own? We treasure and love. In, I'm independent. I don't rely on anybody. I don't need anybody. Independence, something we talked about in class, but something people are yearning for when they come to college. I don't mind. I blaze my own trail. I'm free. And sooner or later, you get to the point where I'm no longer dependent on my parents. Got a job, I'm paying for my way, I'm paying for myself. So we're so good on independence that sometimes we forget that prayer is linked to a recognition of dependence. The more we see ourselves as dependent, I bet the more we'll pray. But because we're so independent, what we sometimes do is we take matters into our own hands because we think we can do it. We're strong enough. We got willpower. I got financial resources. I know the right people. I can do it all by myself. I'm going to show you an example from the Old Testament of Israel who is getting encroached and worried about their neighbor to the north. And so they do something and God warns them about it. So in Isaiah chapter 30, we got 30, 31, and 30. This is 30. I'm going to walk over here. I can look over here. Ah, stubborn children. This is Israel, remember? They're worried about the north. They're going to get attacked, and that neighbor up there is giving them grief. So they want to hatch a plan. This is it. Ah, stubborn children, declares the Lord, who carry out a plan, but not mine, and who make an alliance, but not of my spirit. That they may add sin to sin, who set out to go down to Egypt without asking for my direction to take refuge in the protection of Pharaoh and to seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt. Therefore, shall the protection of Pharaoh turn to your shame and the shelter in the shadow of Egypt to your humiliation. How many times, we're just going to keep with the word of humiliation, word of humiliation or shame, or let's just say things didn't go well when we take our own path. In 31, it continues the thought, woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses who trust in their chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong, but they do not look to the Holy One of Israel or consult the Lord. <coughs> Excuse me. Then it goes in verse 30 or chapter 30 again later. 
For thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you'll be saved, and in quietness and in trust shall be your strength. But you were unwilling. Dependence, need, the sense of a needs necessary to carry out, the keeping on of asking, seeking, and knocking. Um, most of you know here that I have three children. They're all in attendance this morning. Good job, kids. Um, and they have this little, uh, we're going to call it a game that they play. It's not actually a, a fun game. It's more of a bantering game around with each other where, I don't know, maybe a couple Christmases ago, I don't know, but at some point ago, they got into this sort of, well, who was the ultimate miller? Who had the best of what Leslie and I could offer captured in one body? Who had the best of me, the best of Leslie, and in that one person was the ultimate miller? So this banter would go around where Caleb would go, well, I, you know, and then Aaron would go, well, I'm the only girl, I gotta be the only miller, and then the ultimate miller. Then, of course, Jeb just goes, I don't know what this discussion is about. It's got to be me. They would go back and forth this banter about. That ultimate Miller is sometimes even seen as maybe a substitute word, favorite. I want you to hear me say this. This is not now to my kids. God has no favorites. Why? Would God not answer your prayers? When a better question is, why would God ever answer your prayers? And how you answer that question is a big deal. He doesn't answer your prayers because you're spiritual. He loves those who are limping and hears the limping prayers just as well as he hears the running prayers. He doesn't answer your prayer because you're strong and you're not weak. He doesn't answer your prayer because you're influential or because you've been a Christian a long time. He answers your prayer and my prayer all because of status. We all have the same status. We're done today. Not really. <laughs> Sean came and hit that and went, okay. <laughs> I'm about to blow up. Okay, there we go. What was <laughs> God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step back here. God answers all of our prayers because we have the same status. Same status is... Another word for children. He answers your prayer because of nothing you do or can do, but only because he's such a good father. Now, all of us, most of us, not all, are parents. And we think to ourselves, how much do I love my children? 
what affection I feel for them. I grieve when they grieve. I'm joyful when they're joyful. When something happens to them that's good, I love it. When they're hurting, I'm hurting. You students who go home every once in a while for a weekend, you're probably, your parents are just anticipating your arrival with joy when you walk in the door. We know how that is with parents because we're parents. In this passage, because he's a father, and this relationship is a parent-child, and in this passage it talks about us as being evil or sinful, that he has no evil in his body. Would we ever think that God would be less affectionate for his children than we are for our children? Would we ever think that I could possibly be more tender than he is? Could we ever come to the conclusion that I would be more generous in my good gift giving than God? There's no way. But I'll tell you, I've been disappointed. I mean, there's things I've asked for and I've pleaded for that I thought, surely God in his wisdom would grant me those blessings. Sometimes my disappointment in my head plays out like this in this self-talk. Well, I'm going to quit. I'm I'm just going to quit asking. God's clearly going to do what he wants to do anyway. (laughs) So why are we getting into this verbal exercise? Or I might think and have thought to myself, maybe you just don't care like I think you care. Maybe you were, I know this is going to sound so silly, just go with it. Maybe he's just too busy that day. <laughs> just too much going on. Dad gets, he gets too tired, or father does. Just didn't get around to it. That disappointment sometimes can also make me say, well, there's things I'll ask for, but these things I'm not going to ask for. You know why? Because I just don't want to be disappointed again. <laughs> so I'm not going to ask for them. And if I don't ask for them, then I don't have to get no And then I don't have to feel disappointed again. I felt that way. And because I'm me, I most likely likely will feel that way again. But here's the deal. Because he's so good, this is what He's doing. Sometimes I think I am asking for bread. I mean, it looks like bread. It would taste so good. But he's going, Brian, I know it looks like bread. 
Now, I know you think it's bread, but it's a stone. Just like you as a parent. Sometimes your kids come to you. I actually can't remember my kids ever asking for a fish. Maybe it's a sign of the times. But if your kids came and asked, hey, would you give me this good thing? You're going to say, hey, Aaron or Caleb or Jeb or your kids, I know that seems good. But I'm telling you, it's not You're going to have to trust me on this. If I do that, how much more would God do that? You know what else? Sometimes I think something is a stone. And God says, you know, I know you think it's a stone. But it's not a stone. That's really bread. It's because God sees what I can't see. And God knows what I don't know. Sometimes a bread is a stone. Sometimes stone is a bread. Is bread. Recently, there have been two prayers more, but two, that actually I received an answer for within the last 48 hours. Two things that dealt with two different things, two different individuals that I've been praying for intently. I mean, we have ebb and flows, uh, harvest and famine in our prayer lives, I know, but when I've been praying in the last few months, these two things have almost always populated my prayer. One of them, the answer was clearly no. One of them was a yes. But I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of times when I get two no's, or I never know. And you know what happens, or what's great about that? It's the company I'm keeping with that encounter, or that answer. Remember Paul? So Paul prayed three times that his infirmity, whatever affliction, be removed, and God's answer was no. And he might have thought in his head, Paul, you're going to have trouble because you're going to be disappointed about this. But you can't see what I see. And you don't know what I know. And while you think that's good for you, in actuality, it's harmful for you. Maybe he was working away in Paul that with Paul's infirmity released, he could have never worked with Paul. But we have to trust that that was the correct answer. Another person we can keep company with this is in Jesus, is Jesus. So he's praying in the garden, remember? So I'm going to go to the cross. This is obviously not a good translation. It's my own verbiage. I'm going to go to the cross. If there's another way out of this that we could find. I'd like to consider that or talk over that with you. Answer was no. There's no other way. What God wanted to do and accomplish couldn't have been accomplished with any other outcome. If God 
works that way with his son and with Paul. And I know that he loves better than I could ever love. He's more tender than I could ever be. He loves better than your parent. He's better than any of your best or our best fathers or mothers. So the wonderment is really not why doesn't God ask your prayers. The marvelous thing is that he would answer them at all. And that he would love you so much that if it was going to be harmful, he'd keep it from you just like he would your child. Or if it was going to be good for you, he would give it to you just like you would your child. Now, stuff. Honestly, I still pray for stuff. Maybe not a tangible thing, although I can't guarantee I won't ever pray for that. Because I think God can sift through our prayers easily. He's able to know what's good and what's bad. And he would much rather, don't you think, oh, let's just ask it. Would you rather your child never, ever, ever ask you for something? Or would you rather your child ask you for a bunch of stuff and sometimes they ask for the wrong thing? Well, I would rather that. And I want you to visually take bloody knuckles with you when we leave today in your mind. Because I want you to go back, you parents who maybe your kids are grown, but you're at Walmart and how your kids, maybe you can remember because you were that age more recently, how much they ask. I want that, I want that. Can I have that? Can I have that? You go through that free enterprise zone right before you're checking out and you're getting, can I have this? They're, they're grabbing chapstick and you don't even know what that is. Can I have that? 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 Oh, Mom, can I have that? No, you can't. No, you can't. Just get that in your head because that is asking and seeking and knocking. A lot of this passage is tied up in a couple words, pleading and surrendering. So you can't have this and a sore throat and weepy eyes unless you're pleading. So one piece of this is the pleading piece. So Paul pleads. Take this away from me. Jesus pleads. Don't make me do this. And you plead. And then you surrender. We keep on pleading. Then we keep on surrendering. I want you to think for a second about how, what legacy you're going to leave and what is going to be left in your wake and what the ripples will show after your passing. How beautiful it would be if those who are within our sphere of influence would say, you know what? I'll tell you about that man or woman, dad, granddad, uncle, brother, mother, aunt, grandma. I'll tell you what. That man 
prayed and had answered prayers. And our legacy was, man, he was a prayer. Whoa. She was a powerful prayer. You might know people like that. We should want to be people like that. So that the ripples, long after I'm gone and dead, through my children and grandchildren and others who I come in contact with, I would like them to say, oh, boy, did he ever pray. That'd be a pretty good wake, legacy and ripple. I want to read you a part of a um, Puritan prayer. It's a part of a larger prayer. I actually got this from someone else who was, uh, I listened to about this same passage, and he used this Puritan prayer. I'm going to read a paragraph of it. I'm really going to focus on just one part of it. This is it. It's not on the screen. You'll just have to listen. I thank you, God, that many of my prayers have been refused. I've asked amiss and do not have. I have prayed from lust and been rejected. Have longed for Egypt and been given a wilderness. Go on with your patient work, answering no to my wrongful prayers and fitting me to accept it. I thought about a verse, lyric, from a song that's of a favorite, from a favorite artist of Leslie and me, which is somebody we really enjoy. And he has this phrase about, I think it fits here, sculpting souls. Go on, God. Keep doing your work. Sculpting my soul. And I know... That sometimes when I ask, it's going to be a blessing. And you're going to joyfully give it to me. And I know sometimes, because I'm me, I'm going to ask for something that's harmful or useless. And don't let me have it. I'm going to be disappointed. I might be a little angry. And probably not going to understand. But keep on doing that. Keep sculpting my soul. Think, if we felt the need, were truly dependent, and asked and sought and knocked till our knuckles were bloody, all of the things we could cover in prayer, your homes and your marriage and your children, but also this church and Brian and College Station, EEM, Shine, students who are choosing where they're going to go in a few years, students who are already here, students in high school, all of us who face challenges and who Satan attacks. What is the scope? How large of a list would there be 
that we could plead for. A huge list. That's what we want. That's this passage. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Don't give up knock, knock, knocking. We're just we, bloody knuckles. And we'll keep hearing. Trust me, because I'm a better father than you could ever imagine. Because I don't have an evil bone in my body. And I will sculpt you. I'll sculpt you. That's what we want. That's Matthew 7, 7 through 11, best I can see it. We want to have bloody knuckles. So take this picture, file it away. And when Satan tries to keep you from praying, because he definitively will, maybe this image will show up. And ask for things, ask for stuff, ask for people, ask everything. Because that's what pleading and knuckle bleeding is like. And let God deal with how it all sifts out. Be okay with the disappointment. When I was a kid and my mom told me no, I'm sure I threw a fit. Just keep trusting and surrendering. Because he knows what we don't know. And he sees what we don't see. Will you bow with me, please? Let's pray. So, Father, first of all, thank you for Matthew and the message and the Sermon on the Mount. Your words, I ask that you help us yearn to pray. We have so much that we need to talk to you about. So much we need to talk to you about. Make that be our desire. Help us fill the need. Help us pray about everything. And to keep on praying. And leave a legacy of prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One final note. Not too long ago. I'm not a big social media guy. People know me very well, know that I can't really... (laughs) Leslie and I joke that we have this aura around us, that whenever we get within a few feet of some technological technology device, it all crashes. We have this aura. It's particularly true with me when it comes to certain things, but I was scrolling through Twitter recently. I don't know the author. I don't know what... um, Who wrote it? I don't know anything about it. I can't give, you know, any credit anywhere. It was a, uh, just a couple lines, and it talked about how we go to God and how sometimes we're hesitant to go to God about things that we've done wrong, which is a way Satan sometimes keeps us from talking to him because he makes us see our dirtiness. And we go, well, who would ever talk to me? Why would God listen to me? Particularly now. I shared this with Aggie class a couple weeks ago. And I'm going to try to get it right. Give me a second.
religion says, oh no, I messed up. God is going to be so mad. Gospel says, oh no, I messed up. I've got to talk to God. I really like that. So, this morning, we're going to stand and sing. There are going to be elders around. Anybody can pray with anybody. You can pray with yourself. You can pray later. Let's all just be praying people. Thank you for being here. Thank you for giving me your attention. I'm overwhelmed with your kindness in this congregation, the blessing it's been to our family for years. Um, One of the great things that we do is we sing, and we sing together, and we're going to do that now. Please.